2: Howdy, hey, and hello there. Welcome to another episode of Weird Finance, a podcast to help us all feel a little less weird about money, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Paco de Leon, and on this week's episode, I'm chatting with Jess Rona. Jess Rona is the only dog groomer I know, and I don't think that's an accident. That's because Jess is brilliant at marketing. I first learned of her from a viral video she made of one of her clients. Picture this, a beautiful standard poodle, with luscious black curls. Wind is blowing her locks back and her floppy ears too. The frame rate is slow and the soundtrack is Beyonce. The video was pure genius. The internet loved it and so did I. Through a series of serendipitous events, Jess and I began working together and became friends. Watching her business grow over the years has been like watching a masterclass in creating a brand. One of the things I appreciated about this conversation I had with Jess is how open she is about any advantage she's gotten and how they've greased the wheels of her success. Let me be clear. This does not discount how incredibly talented and hardworking she is. Access and advantage, they don't diminish her creative genius. They actually amplify it. So when you're trying to build a business or even get a job, your talent matters, but so does your luck. These two things can be true at the same time. While that might feel conflicting, it's important to recognize this, to be open, and to talk about it, because it's just a more holistic way to look at quote-unquote success. For anyone looking to follow in someone's footsteps, it's important to see the entire picture. Please enjoy my conversation with Jess Rona. Okay, let me just say thank you, Jess Rona, for joining me today today on Weird Finance, to uh, to chat, to hang out. Thank you so much.
5: Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here. This is awesome. I'm honored. I'm a big fan, huge fan of you.
2: Oh, likewise. All right, so I'm going to hit you with some questions here, and um, we're just going to, we're off to the races. So you're building a dog grooming empire. That's the correct statement, correct? Correct. All right. And when I met you, you were grooming in the garage, and now you have a shop. Um, on a very lovely street here in Los Angeles. And recently you were a judge on an HBO show about dog grooming. So the first question I have for you is, did 15-year-old Jess Rona ever see this coming? And like, how is she feeling about where we're at right now?
5: She absolutely did not see this coming. I was never supposed to be a dog groomer. I was never supposed to be a well-known dog groomer. I think she would think it was kind of cool, but maybe like disappointed that she's not a famous actress.
2: Okay. But is she happy, you think? She's happy
5: with the situation? Oh, she's happy. She's happy. She's just like, oh, I thought we were going to be an actress. Totally wrong. Give me another couple years, and then we'll talk to 15-year-old Jess again. Okay. I think the dog grooming will bring me back to my first love of acting.
2: I think it already has, frankly. I feel like so much of what you're doing, especially with social media, because when I was preparing for this interview, one of the fun things about doing this I realized is you get to be creepy with your friends in a way that you're not normally creepy <laughs> with your friends, right? So I get to like go back and like watch all your videos and like watch a bunch of TikToks. And one of the things that struck me was You know, we first met, I think, around 2017, and I was a big fan of yours. And at that time, you were doing what is now normal, where you were doing kind of cinematic shots of dogs, and there was music behind it. And no one was doing that, especially no one in the dog grooming space, I assume. And so I think so much of what you do, so much of the way you advertise your program, the way you advertise your brand is wrapped up in being an actor. It's all comedic. And I mean, don't you, you're pulling from that toolbox constantly.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's just me. So I'm not really trying, but I do really enjoy performing. I enjoy making people feel joy. I enjoy, you know, that sort of part of it. So I think that, and I also really love creating videos. And I think I'm just blessed that I enjoy it. It was like an itch I was dying to scratch my whole life. And then, boom, the iPhone came out. And I was like, thank God I could do this now. Because I've always seen music videos in my head. I've always seen movies in my head. I want to be able to show it so I can just grab my phone now. It's wonderful.
2: Wait, so before you had the Jess Rona grooming brand, were you then just like making videos with your friends using your iPhone?
5: No, the, the, the iPhone. Well, actually, so... I'll tell you this funny little story quickie. Basically um, I was at my friend's house and we had all, it was like a group of friends and we all brought our dogs over for a fun dog party. And one of my friend's husbands wanted to line all the dogs up in a row so we can get a photo. And we were trying to get all these dogs to line up and he filmed us trying and he put it in fast motion with music. And he was like, it was like, you know, like just like kind of a blooper kind of thing. Uh-huh. And then I was like, how did you do that? How did you put music to the video? What did you do? And he was like, oh, it's just this app. I don't even remember the name of the app. It was like some app that you could do. This was like in 2014, 2015. It was like a long time ago before any video editing stuff was a thing. hmm and so then I was like, oh wow, I can add music to videos. Now we're talking, this is fun. So um, that's where it started. And I just started to make videos of dogs when I had that. So I never really made videos with my friends. Okay, It was always just like, I was bored and antsy in my garage with needing a creative outlet, right. just wanting to create something fun. And a dog's ears blew up in the air, not blew up. That sounds crazy. (laughs) The dog's ear, like I was blow drying a dog (laughs) and her ears blew up in the air, flew, floated up in the air Mm -hmm. and music was playing as I was doing, as I was blow drying her. And I was like, this is really epic. So I grabbed my phone and I filmed it. This was before slow-mo or yeah, it was before slow-mo. And it was just funny to me. I just got a kick out of it. And then I was like, oh, I can actually use dogs to express human emotions hmm. and music. Right. And that's where it started to get really fun.
2: How much do you attribute your level of success to your innate ability and love of essentially marketing? Yeah. Like on Instagram, how much of social media and you blowing up in social media has driven your business? Would you say entirely or?
5: Yeah, I would say entirely wow. It became a way for me to, to prove myself before a client would even come over. Right. When I was working in a salon for, as an employee, as just like a regular groomer, I would get lists of people saying like, Oh, here's all the things you need to do to my dog, you know, clip the nails, trim the bangs, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I would like take this list and interpret it the way I did, but I would always have to prove myself Mm -hmm. and say like, yeah, and just, but then my work was like speaking for itself. And people were like, please just do whatever you want. Like, I trust you. And that is so, like, if you don't have to prove yourself and if people already know, it's so, it's such an amazing place to be. And I think it's pretty rare. And I'm just, I know it's rare and I am grateful for it. It's really cool.
2: Where did you start? Like, where were you grooming dogs? Where was the first place you started?
5: I started at Beautiful Pet Smart in... Reseda, California, deep in the 818 in the valley. Okay. That's where I grew up. And yeah, I just needed a job. And there was like all these different jobs that were on that main application. You can work in the aquatic section. There was like different sections at PetSmart. It was just this huge, big box store. You can work as a cashier. You can work, you know, with the birds. And then at the bottom, it said dog bather. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I know nothing about that. <laughs> I was about 18. Okay. My mom would drive me there and like, she would be like, like, we would have to buy cat food for her cats. And she would have to go all the way to Reseda for this special cat food that her cats would eat. And so I ended up, she was like, I need to speak to the manager. Excuse me. My daughter is, you know, she's, she needs job. She's like a Jewish mother from Brooklyn. So, you know that's the kind of mom I had. And she was just, she got me a job basically. And I was like, yeah, dog bather. That's the least nine to five seeming job available. And I want to try it. And so I tried it and I was terrible and it was hard. And I didn't know anything about dogs. You were terrible. I was terrible. I remember the first week I was there, boom, the manager was like, can you just go take this lead and put it on the lab and bring it back up to here, up to the front? And I was like, what's a lead and what's a lab? (laughs) And then I could do this. That's how much I knew. I didn't know anything. I was at zero. There was nothing I knew. I had cats growing up. I knew nothing about dogs.
2: Huh. How much did they pay you at uh, PetSmart to bathe dogs?
5: Damn, pennies. I have no idea. Minimum wage, maybe. Maybe it was minimum wage plus tips or a little bit more. Not a ton.
2: Somewhere between like six bucks.
5: Yeah, probably. I mean, this was like 20 plus years ago. This is like a long time ago. The 90s.
2: What did they charge for a dog grooming back then?
5: I would say maybe like $45. Okay. Maybe $35, $45. Something like that.
2: And now I want to ask you, what is the range <laughs> that you your firm charges to groom dogs? My firm? hmm
5: Well, depending on the service, we have the bath and tidy service, and then we also have the full groom service. I'm guessing we're talking full groom. On the low, low end is $285. That is for your scrappy terriers, cute little dogs that don't need a ton of a hair cutting. And it goes all the way up to 900 Wow. Which we do have one dog at $900 who is a horse. He's the size of this room. Um he's a big huge standard poodle. Wow. And he's 900 bucks cuz he takes the plate. Well, if if I'm charging 305 to 335 for an average haircut and this dog is the size of four dogs. Yeah. Like I need to charge for the time that I'm paying employees. I pay hourly to right. my employees. So, yeah.
2: That's you've come a long way from PetSmart.
5: Yeah. I really have
2: It's crazy. It is crazy. You're making me rethink wanting a standard poodle for sure.
5: Don't get a standard, or you can just go to a different. I I charge more than anyone, so okay, yeah. I want.
2: Let's let's talk about this. So you are a celebrity dog groomer. How did this? (laughs) How do you go from PetSmart to celebrity dog groomer? Like I think it's Instagram. Okay. (laughs)
5: Definitely Instagram. Instagram. Wait, I cut you off. You think it's probably what?
2: Well, I was going to say, I think it's a confluence of things. I think being an Angelino has a huge part of that because, okay, you're already here. It's already normal to realize, oh, like celebrities kind of a niche. Okay, I could go for that. Mm -hmm. I think definitely social media played a huge role. But I also think the fact that you are an actor and you were around actors, I think that also, and your husband's
5: an actor, I think. You're totally right. You're totally right. You're naming everything. Yes. I'm just like, oh, Instagram. No, (laughs) you're totally right. My husband's best friend is Jake Johnson from New Girl. He, I groomed his dogs. I started grooming all the New Girl people's dogs. Zoe Deschanel, the hair department, the wardrobe department. Everybody started bringing their dogs to me. Um, and then it get got you know once you groom one celebrity's dog and they tell their friends yeah then like you can tap into their whole circle of friends and then everybody comes to you but also I wanted to get really good so mm-hmm. I knew I had to put my money where my mouth is I can't just charge for you know yeah skill matters Subpart. yeah skill matters so I was making sure I was I was competing in grooming competitions taking classes. Um, you know, just leveling up my skills as much as I could so that I could charge that. I charge that what I'm worth.
2: Right. I love that. Do you still do competitions? I know you've judged a competition, but are you still out there, you know, trying to prove yourself in that
5: arena? No, no. I am um <laughs> You're retired. I'm I can I'm retired. <laughs> I teach at the grooming competitions now. Oh, I teach shit. seminars. I'm sorry yeah. if that was an
2: insulting I, question, Jess. No, not at all.
5: There's teachers that compete. Okay. Competing is a beast. Okay. It's a whole beast. And it's it's amazing because, you know, I could compete with gr- with groomers now and fully lose. Oh, okay. Because it depends on the dog, the breed. I usually just compete with freestyle. I'm known for my adorable pet trims. And each and like certain groomers in the competition world, they're known for their own for a specific breed because it takes years upon years upon years to become an expert in one breed. So usually or one to three. OK, if the top level competitors, you're not going to see them grooming any other breed other than their specialty. So it's like it's that specialized. That's but yeah, I'm, I usually teach like cute faces classes um, this year. I'm going to teach a how to edit videos for social media for groomers class, which is going to be really fun. But yeah, and then I'm I am judge apprenticing this year. Are
2: you royalty at these competitions? They're like, just, just, you know, like calling your name you know, trying to take your picture. Be be honest. Yeah,
5: yeah. You are yeah, oh no, totally. I I felt it the most last year okay. where I was like, Oh wow, someone had my logo and name tattooed on them. I'm signing things. I signed someone's arm. I oh know my God, you're I a, know.
2: You are a a very there.
5: tiny niche celebrity in my tiny world. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it.
2: Let 15-year-old yeah. just know that you are quite famous actually.
5: Okay. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. Um
5: in this world for sure. I taught a class in Hershey, Pennsylvania and it was like so packed. Wow. It was crazy. I was like, "Oh, wow. I'm I'm really reaching people because it took a while for everyone to get on Instagram. I'm an OG Instagram, which I think is why I became successful like I did. But I just enjoy social media. But it took a while for groomers to get – a lot of groomers still aren't on Instagram. Hmm. They're mostly on Facebook. Whoa. But yeah, it's crazy.
2: Do you think that if you started today, that given how – I don't want to say saturated, but the fact that a lot lot of people are on social media, do you think that it would still be, I don't want to say easy, possible – to build up a following as big as you have.
5: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
2: You still believe in because
5: it. Because I am sort of always starting and restarting. I'm always innovating and pivoting my social media. I'm just in the process of pivoting and it's working. I started doing these quiet ASMR style grooming videos. I don't know if you saw them. I had But basically those. when the shop when the shop is closed, I have like silence and I just Groom the dogs in silence, and it's blowing up my TikTok. Instagram is kind of slow, but it's growing up, blowing up my TikTok. I think, in order to succeed on social media, you have to have some kind of wow, Mm -hmm. something that's great, like something that you haven't seen before. You Mm -hmm. have to really innovate and show something new. And I think instead of going really big and loud, I decided to go really tiny and quiet and just to see how that worked. And it's it's totally working right now and when and I think just like when I started my social media, I was doing these windblown dogs and that was something no one had seen before. I was the first person to ever do something like that, but then now I could do it and it doesn't really hit so as a business owner, I need to innovate and pivot when things and I have to pay attention to what people are responding to and innovate pivot accordingly
2: so that makes me want to ask you how you view your brand. Do you view it as a service you're providing? Do you view it as creative work? Is it an overlap of the two?
5: I view my brand more of a service that I'm providing versus creative because the service I'm providing for my social media is to spread joy to my audience, to give, to to teach, to have education, to entertain So, like, that is the service I'm providing. As far as the creativity goes, I really don't find that I'm as creative as I used to be. I used to do, like, bell bottoms on dogs and, like, pink tails and all kinds of fun things. But now I'm, like, in business owner beast mode where I'm, like, okay, I want a product line. I'm selling a TV show. I'm doing all these things. Like, I don't want to be doing funky haircuts anymore. So I pay other people to do that. So that I can go build a brand. You could go be a really mogul. That's really what lights me
2: up. Really?
5: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Interesting.
5: It's weird because I 15-year-old Jess doesn't know that about me. Right. She denied it for so many years. But the minute I just kind of like was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't try st- swimming upstream anymore. Maybe I should just go with the flow and just see where this takes me. That's sort of where... Like, beautiful things started to happen.
2: I feel the same way. I feel like I didn't want to do finance for a long time. And then I started... Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I knew that.
2: I was like, ugh, it's so boring and stupid. And everyone I work with... is so regular. And I wanted to be around people who like was like you, like weirdos, you know, I love you, but you're so weird. Who? Wow. How dare
5: you? How <laughs> dare you? But also I receive. I receive with gratitude. Thank you.
2: Right. I wanted to be hanging out with people who are doing interesting things, who were being creative, who are pushing the envelope with what I thought was even possible in the world. Right.
5: Yeah, I get it.
2: I didn't realize I could do it through finance if I just, like you said, relaxed into it and gave the world what they were asking of me. And I think that's one of the reasons why I feel so like our friendship, we get along so well because we're such like we're really into personal development. We have such growth mindsets. We're both business owners, but we've both, you know, I'm a musician and I, you know, nobody wants my songs, but they want my perspective <laughs> on money in the world. And I'm having a great mm-hmm. time doing that. And so I feel you. No,
5: totally. Wait, I have to tell you something. Tell me. Remember when I first moved into the brick and mortar and we toured the upstairs? Yes. And I desperately wanted it. Yes. Guess who got it? Oh, my God. Congratulations. Can you believe it? I can. I'm actually going to be subletting it for the next year, but I I got the upstairs space. And it's something that I wanted. And it was way out of my budget. And I was able to manifest it two and a half years later, three years later.
2: Okay, I've yeah. let's talk about the building, because when you were moving from the garage to the building, there was a spot before that you thought you wanted, but then this spot on Larchmont opened up, and we did go on a tour together, and I remember being like, Jess, as the person whose job it is to be scared for other people when it comes to money, let's talk about the reality here and the risks, but in classic Jess Rona fashion, you were like, I've been wanting this, I need this to grow Tell me about like mentally what you needed to break through to take such a big risk going from your garage to a brick and mortar.
5: This is such a good question. I was actually something I was hoping to talk about. I am a gambler and I gamble on myself and I have to have an inner knowing and an like a gut knowing that I ha- have to make it work and I will make it work. There's no other way. And it's like, it's not easy at all, but it is simple. But the, the, my, my holy grail Bible, you are a badass at making money, as you know, yes. Queen Jen Sincero. I was just sick of being broke and just sick of being in my garage and this small little life. Mm. I realized I had all this opportunity to listen to audiobooks and podcasts on personal development when I was grooming dogs. Instead of music, I would start listening to audiobooks. And I'm like, oh, I should just try to learn something. And over like three or four years, I started, like my mindset started to shift and I started to notice different things. And one of the things is if you're equal parts terrified and excited, that is the sweet spot for growth. And I found that to be true. And like the I when I found the location, it was, I went from no overhead to so much overhead that I had no idea how I was ever, I mean, you and I sat down and we were like, okay, you need to bring in $2,000 a day. If you can bring in $2,000 a day, you're going to survive and you're going to be okay. And I did it. And I never was in the red ever. Wow. Congratulations. I Just. I've never. Yeah. Thank you.
4: on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi Layla Hormozy, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches we share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people and we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition so all you have to do is listen to marketing school every weekday on the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
2: hi sweetie i see you went to the grocery store what did you get
5: Hey, Mom. I stopped in to buy a few things for dinner. Oh, That's wonderful. Yeah, but I went in without a shopping list, and now that I'm unpacking my things, I sure do have a lot of snacks. And I actually forgot to get tomatoes for the salad I was planning on making. This is why you always tell me to make a list, huh? Exactly.
2: That's because when we go shopping without a list, we're more likely to make impulsive purchases and forget important items.
5: And making a list is also a way to avoid overspending at the grocery store, isn't it?
2: Yes, making a list before we go grocery shopping and sticking to it can help us to make sure we get everything we need and avoid making unnecessary purchases.
5: That makes sense. And it's also a good idea to have a budget in mind and try to stick to it. Exactly. By planning ahead and
2: sticking to our list and budget, we can save money and avoid overspending. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. Weird finance. We're finance. we finance.
0: We're finance. We're finance.
2: Okay, I- I'm going to ask this prickly question here. When you moved into the building, how did you get financing?
5: Oh, that's not prickly. It's
2: not prickly, okay. Um,
5: I thought it was going to be, no, it's not prickly. My mom, she loaned me a hundred grand, my TV show. And I feel, and this is going to sound woo. I don't know how woo-woo your audience is, but you know, I'm pretty woo. (laughs) But everything comes from source. Mm -hmm. Money, everything comes from source through people messaging anything. So, I believe, and this is my personal belief, that I showed up and told the universe, source, whatever. I said, "Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fucking go for it." And anytime I do that with conviction and the knowing, the somehow things will work things work out. I was to the point where I was like, I called a psychic crying asking like, "Will I find this money?" Oh my gosh. "How will I get this money?" I did not know. What did she say? She said, "Yes." She's like, "You're going to be just fine." Wow. Um, and I didn't know I was. I remember just bawling my eyes out, sitting on my little green couch in the garage, just being like, will I be OK? Will I get this money? Because there was moments where I just didn't know if I was going to survive the build out. Not just COVID, but like hiring a, a design build company to do everything. And they just like hike up the prices with everything. Yeah. I went from an $80,000 10 week build out to a $300,000 year and three month process that almost like it almost broke me but it also pushed me so far into my discomfort that I up leveled 10 levels within that year that's amazing you know usually you like up level you know it's like a ladder the the, you know but this was like a push into a new dimension of existence hell yeah and yeah and then now it's yeah we can go, I, I mean, yeah, I could go deep into that shit for well, real.
2: So tell me what the biggest financial lesson you learned through this grueling build-out.
5: That money is currency, currency is energy, and that is a Jensen Sincero quote, but I did really learn it firsthand mm-hmm. because, and it comes, it flows, it will come into your life and go out of your life. And honestly, a big financial lesson I learned was to be comfortable with debt and be grateful to debt for allowing me to do with it. What I, in order to grow, I need it, right? So being comfortable with debt has been a really huge lesson. And also one thing you did that like fully changed my financial world was to organize my bank accounts. Mm -hmm. That has been so like, I have an income, a few income only accounts. And it's like, I know every week what I'm making. And there's a lot of clarity. So like clarity is important and also being comfortable with debt has been a good thing for me.
2: I love that. Well, can you give the listeners any advice in terms of any actions that they can take if they're in a space where they're trying to level up? Like it could be big, it could be small, but what do you remember taking action when you were in this time of incubation and growth?
5: Yeah, it might not be what your listeners are are hoping to hear like, Oh, like put money in this and have an automated savings. No, actually the success of your external life is dependent upon the success of your internal life. So the biggest thing I would recommend for anybody trying to level up is to go to the spiritual gym and just do something in the world of personal development for at least five minutes a day It could be just like when you're making your coffee, listening to a podcast interview or something like what, what you're probably doing right now, but something to work on your inside. So I go to therapy, I meditate, like all that stuff will help your external and your business grows to the effect, to the effect or to the amount that you grow as a human. So if you stop growing as a person and you don't pivot and innovate and grow, like chances are your business might not grow as Mm -hmm. well. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I like that you. I,
2: think. I like that you give like really great advice, in my opinion. <laughs> and then at the end, and I'm you're like,
5: like, I don't know. <laughs> well, because like I don't know. I'm like looking at your face, and I'm like, right? <laughs> That's true, right? It's it's true.
2: And I I th- I think my audience would probably appreciate that there is something you know that's not involved with money <laughs> that you can do and take action that then will mm-hmm. impact your money. Because, yes, again, one of the things you talked about earlier was charging what you're worth. And I want to ask you, how do you think people can go from accepting the default to you know, standing out in their niche or asking for the raise because they deserve it what do they need to do? The answer is probably similar to what you just said.
5: No, well, actually, my therapist told me, charge the amount you would feel no resentment with. So that has always stuck with me. And I realize I don't go into a project. I don't do business with people unless I am paid the amount that I would do it. And she says for fun and for free, meaning for fun and free emotionally. So, and also I feel like I'm a pioneer in my field and, and to be a pioneer, you're the one on top and it is so scary. So I was terrified to charge. My first big jump was I was charging 215 for a long time. 215 was my haircut price and nobody was charging that much. And I mean, just to even tell my old clients, that I had to charge, I'd like to, like, that was terrifying, but I had to do it. I had to do it. I just did it. And it got easier and easier. The more I did it, it was like a muscle I got stronger at. So if there's someone listening, that's like wanting to raise their prices and they, they are feeling resentful and they feel like maybe if they charge this much, they would feel less resentful. Do it. It sucks. It hurts. It's yucky. It's barfy, but just go for it. And just have this podcast in mind. You got this. Thank you. It's hard. Yeah, little pep talk for someone listening. I
2: appreciate that. Jess, you've really dropped some wonderful nuggets of wisdom and advice. And you're building a dog grooming empire, but you really really have a lot of wisdom to share. And I hope that... Thank you. I hope that your career takes you down a path where... You get to share these lessons because they're really valuable.
5: Thank you. I'm going to write a book someday. Hell yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah. People want to start a podcast.
2: Well, you're so funny. You have to start a podcast. They're giving them out to anyone. Look, I'm here.
5: I know. I know. (laughs) The podcast people let you in the building.
2: It's all downhill from here. I'm going to hold the door open. Thank you. All right, Just before we let you go, I want to ask you some rapid-fire questions, all right? Okay. I'm excited to ask you this first one because I I just know you, and I feel like you're going to have some good answers. So the first question I want to ask you, is there anything that you purchased that maybe to the naked eye seems frivolous or ridiculous, but for you, it was money well spent?
5: Yes. I went and spent a week in Cabo. It was $11,000 I paid for me and my husband, But, and I also spent like three weeks on a bigger, another vacation in Paris, luxury vacation. And both of those trips pushed me into, to embody the next version of myself that I wanted to embody, put me in a different frequency and more money is flowing because Mm -hmm. I showed the universe. I want, this is the life I want. I'm going to embody it before I'm totally ready. I'm gambling a little bit, but it seems very frivolous, but there was definitely strategy behind
2: it. I love that. I feel like I've definitely done things like that in my life. And I just want to make a little, I want to put a little caveat here because I think there's a lot of self-help, especially around money and manifestation that encourage people to to do something like that. And I I think that if you can't afford to actually spend that money, um, that's probably an unhealthy way to try to reach yeah. So make sure that you can <laughs> yes. afford it.
5: Caveat. Yeah, caveat. Yes. So
2: make sure you can afford it. And- I'm
5: not, I, yeah. <laughs> I agree. But- I, I would not have done that if I couldn't afford it.
2: Right. I know that, that, that information is there, but I feel like, yeah, sometimes, um, yeah, in that space, it can get a little tricky, right? Okay.
5: Totally. And I've, I've been dreaming of vacations like that for so long, but it's, it's frivolous. It's right. like a big deal. Right. So it's frivolous to me. Yeah.
2: Thanks, Jess. All right. So what's one piece of advice, financial or otherwise, that you'd give to your younger
5: self? To just listen to your inner voice. Listen to your gut. Good reminder. Yeah. You got this and you are valuable. Mm -hmm. You are. You do have a voice.
2: I feel like you're talking. You are
5: special. (laughs) Like you're
2: talking to my younger self.
5: Well, (laughs) I know, Right. I guess we can all say that, but like you're, you matter. You're important. Listen to your voice. People want to hear it. It's okay. Yeah.
2: Love it. Did you have any financial superstitions growing up? No,
5: not really. Great. I, yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of like head in the sand about finances growing up. Really? So I wasn't, I didn't really have a lot of focus around finances. I kind of avoided finances and just kind of like decided that uh, it'll all work out somehow. And if not, I can always borrow money from my mom.
2: Right. Your mom's an accountant, right? Yeah. So I wonder if that's like you being like punk rock, like rebelling, you know?
5: Probably, yeah.
2: (laughs) Okay. Last question before I let you go, Jess. Do you have any financial fumbles that you can look back on and laugh at?
5: Man, I just, yeah. Yeah. When I was doing my shop build-out, I was like, there's so many. And I was like, which one do I want to talk about? I had to, I didn't, I I shouldn't be in charge of building out a construction site. That's not me. I'm not that person. So I made a ton of very expensive mistakes Mm. with buying a residential water heater for a commercially zoned dog grooming space, buying the wrong lights, you know, grooming in the dark for two months because I had the wrong lights, hiring, hiring the wrong people is very expensive. So those kinds of things. Yeah, definitely. Lessons learned, very expensive lessons.
2: I call it tuition being paid.
5: Yeah, right. (laughs) I read that book, The Entrepreneurial Roller Coaster. Did you ever read it? I haven't. Have you? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. If anybody's listening and they're a boss and they're hiring people, read that book first. It's got a whole section on hiring and firing that helped me a lot. A little late, but at least I I got to the party just late.
2: Well, you know, you've got a lot, you've got a big future ahead of you. So you're learning the lessons just in time, right? Yeah. Well, Jess, (laughs) this has been an absolute pleasure and absolute joy. I, I really can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy day to chat with me and to chat with the audience. Where can the people who want to follow along find you?
5: I'm at Jess Rona Grooming on all kinds of social media platforms. Get on in there.
2: Amazing. Thank you, Jess.
5: Thank you. You're the best
6: hey girlfriends it's me carol fisher i'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of the girlfriends in season one we told you about the murder of gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend bob Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
8: I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy.
5: In my best hopes, I guess, I identify the life that I want and, and work towards it.
6: I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the
0: impression that you don't
2: Welcome to Loose Change. On this edition, Chris Lafter and I are at the Los Feliz flea market in Los Angeles, California, trading loose change for perspective. Today, Chris talked with people to find out whether or not money is still one of the last great taboos. We asked folks three simple but intrusive questions about politics, sex, and money. So here it goes.
8: I'm gonna ask you three questions, answer the ones that you're comfortable answering, and if you don't wanna answer it, that's okay too. All right, sounds good. Okay, when's the last time you had sex? Uh, next question. What, what's your political affiliation? Like, independent, I guess. Independent, okay. Yeah. How much money do you make in a given year? Like, around 20,000 or less. Okay, what's your political affiliation?
5: Left, liberal.
8: Okay, uh, when's the last time you had sex? This morning. How much money did you make last year?
5: 100000
8: When's the last time you had sex?
3: Oh, wow. I guess, wow, this is weird. I think maybe like a year ago, which is, uh, you know, I feel sad to even think that. But I was in a long-term relationship, and it ended about a year ago. And I'm not really one to uh, be casual like that in that way. So, yeah.
8: Okay, thank you for answering. What's your political affiliation?
3: Oh, uh, I veer I've harder left every year of my life. I used to consider myself like left center, and now I'm like, we, we live in a th- thriving, modern world. There's no reason why people can't have healthcare or universal basic income. You know, if machines are taking jobs, then that productivity should be going into our pockets.
8: How much money did you make
3: last year? Last year I made, well, I do a lot of, I have a lot of random odd jobs, so it's hard to say, but not a lot. That's also, these answers are kind of depressing me. These questions are really bringing me down. Probably about 50,000 bucks.
8: What's your political affiliation?
5: Very, very, very left.
8: When's the last time you had sex?
2: Like two weeks ago.
8: How much money did you make last year?
2: 55,000.
8: What's your political affiliation?
7: I'd rather not comment on that because I don't like to talk political. I think everybody should be just, you know, keep your opinions to yourself, but we also have to love each other. And just like, when you talk about politics, you get really like, ugh, like it's just uncomfortable. And that's a, that's a conversation. If you really wanna have a conversation, then you gotta like ask for that conversation. You don't just like, I think it's invading sometimes. I don't mm-hmm. know. Okay. Totally,
8: yeah, there's nuance to that okay. conversation. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, when's the last time you had sex?
7: Oh my gosh. In my sleep or physically? I mean, like I'm always having sex, so. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, I'm a very sexual person, so I, I'm gonna have I walk funny. So yes, I probably, um, yeah. Last that night. <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> anyway, go ahead.
8: Um, how much money did you make last year?
7: Well, I made I made a pretty good amount of money. It was like six figures because I I got a promotion this year, which is great. But I don't think money. I mean, if you talk about rich money and everything, I don't think that is really. What what makes you happy? I think that the happiest is how rich you your life is You know, I think that that's the most thing and I'm rich with Blessings I'm rich with like I have beautiful kids. I have a huge family. I'm one of seven They have extended families. I have a beautiful husband. I have a beautiful life I have a job. I have a car I have a house I'm, I'm rich that way, so I don't think money I can't really say how much I think I'm probably richer than Anybody that's really, really wealthy with money-wise, I think I'm probably a lot happier than
1: them.
7: Not everyone we
2: asked to participate did, but of those that were willing, the thing that surprised me the most was how open these folks were, which feels like a good direction. Being open and talking with complete strangers about uncomfortable topics won't solve all of our problems, but it's a damn good start. Well, here we are at the end of another episode of Weird Finance, which is an I Media production and simply could not be possible without the generous help of many wonderful, caring, hardworking, and talented folks like my producer, Ramsey Yunt. Ramsey, he produced, he edited, he did some sound design, and he even sang a little bit. Thank you to Chris Laughter for walking up to random strangers for the Loose Change segment. Thank you to my friends, Annie and Samantha from the Stuff Mom Never Told You podcast, For lending their voices for this week's PSA. Our theme song was written and performed by me and my dear friends, Jenna Parker and Andrew Parker. If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, you want to be part of the show, give us a call at 833-ASK-PACO. That's 833-275-7226. Or you can send us an email at weirdfinancepod at gmail.com. All right, that's it. We'll catch you here next week. And in the meantime, take care.